chapter twenty one of paul clifford by edward bulwer lytton this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter twenty one dream let me but see her dear leontons humorous lieutenant hemskirk it was the fellow sure wolfort what are you sirrah beggar's bush o thou divine spirit that burnest in every breast inciting each with the sublime desire to be fine that stirrest up the great to become little in order to seem greater and that makest a duchess woo insult for a voucher thou that delightest in so many shapes multifarious yet the same spirit that makest the high despicable and the lord meaner than his valet equally great whether thou cheatest a friend or cuttest a father lacquering all thou touchest with a bright vulgarity that thy votaries imagine to be gold thou that sendest the few to fashionable balls and the many to fashionable novels that smitest even genius as well as folly making the favourites of the gods boast an acquaintance they had not with the graces of a mushroom peerage rather than the knowledge they have of the muses of an eternal helicon thou that leavest in the great ocean of our manners no dry spot for the foot of independence that paulest on the jaded eye with a moving and girdling panorama of daubed vilenesses and fritterest away the souls of free-born britons into a powder smaller than the angels which dance in myriads on a pin's point whether o spirit thou callest thyself fashion or ton or ambition or vanity or cringing or cant or any title equally lofty and sublime would that from thy wings we could gain but a single plume fain would we in fitting strain describe the festivities of that memorable day when the benevolent lord malevrer received and blessed the admiring universe of bath but to be less poetical as certain writers say when they have been writing nonsense but to be less poetical and more exact the morning though in the depth of winter was bright and clear and lord malevrer found himself in particularly good health nothing could be better planned than the whole of his arrangements unlike those which are ordinarily chosen for the express reason of being as foreign as possible to the nature of our climate all at lord malevrer's were made suitable to a greenland atmosphere the temples and summer-houses interspersed through the grounds were fitted up some as eskimo huts others as russian pavilions fires were carefully kept up the musicians malevrer took care should have as much wine as they pleased they were set skilfully in places where they were unseen but where they could be heard one or two temporary buildings were erected for those who loved dancing and as malevrer miscalculating 
on the principles of human nature thought gentlemen might be averse from ostentatious exhibition he had hired persons to skate minuets and figures of eight upon his lakes for the amusement of those who were fond of skating all people who would be kind enough to dress in strange costumes and make odd noises which they call singing the earl had carefully engaged and planted in the best places for making them look still stranger than they were there was also plenty to eat and more than plenty to drink malevra knew well that our countrymen and countrywomen whatever be their rank like to have their spirits exalted in short the whole dejeuner was so admirably contrived that it was probable the guests would not look much more melancholy during the amusements than they would have done had they been otherwise engaged at a funeral lucy and the squire were among the first arrivals malevrer approaching the father and daughter with his most courtly manner insisted on taking the latter under his own escort and being her cicerone through the round of preparations as the crowd thickened and it was observed how gallant were the attentions testified towards lucy by the host many and envious were the whispers of the guests those good people naturally angry at the thought that two individuals should be married divided themselves into two parties one abused lucy and the other lord malevrer the former vituperated her art the latter his folly i thought she would play her cards well deceitful creature said the one january and may muttered the other the man's sixty it was noticeable that the party against lucy was chiefly composed of ladies that against malevrer of men that conduct must indeed be heinous which draws down the indignation of one's own sex unconscious of her crimes lucy moved along leaning on the arm of the gallant earl and languidly smiling with her heart far away at his endeavours to amuse her there was something interesting in the mere contrast of the pair so touching seemed the beauty of the young girl with her delicate cheek maiden form drooping eyelid and quiet simplicity of air in comparison to the worldly countenance and artificial grace of her companion after some time when they were in a sequestered part of the grounds malevrer observing that none were near entered a rude hut and so fascinated was he at that moment by the beauty of his guest and so meet to him seemed the opportunity of his confession that he with difficulty suppressed the avowal rising to his lips and took the more prudent plan of first sounding and preparing as it were the way i cannot tell you my dear miss brandon said he slightly pressing the beautiful hand leaning on his arm how happy i am to see you the guest the queen rather of my house ah could the bloom of youth return with its feelings time is never so cruel as when while stealing from us the power to please he leaves us in full vigour the unhappy privilege to be charmed malevra expected at least a blushing contradiction to the implied application of a sentiment so affectingly expressed he was disappointed lucy less alive than usual to the sentimental 
or its reverse scarcely perceived his meaning and answered simply that it was very true this comes of being like my friend burke too refined for one's audience thought malevra wincing a little from the unexpected reply and yet he resumed i would not forego my power to admire futile nay painful as it is even now while i gaze on you my heart tells me that the pleasure i enjoy it is at your command at once and forever to blight into misery but while it tells me i gaze on lucy raised her eyes and something of her natural archness played in their expression i believe my lord said she moving from the hut that it would be better to join your guests walls have ears and what would be the gay lord malevra's self-reproach if he heard again of his fine compliments to the most charming person in europe cried malevra vehemently and the hand which he before touched he now clasped at that instant lucy saw opposite to her half hid by a copse of evergreens the figure of clifford his face which seemed pale and wan was not directed towards the place where she stood and he evidently did not perceive malevra or herself yet so great was the effect that this glimpse of him produced on lucy that she trembled violently and unconsciously uttering a faint cry snatched her hand from malevra the earl started and catching the expression of her eyes turned instantly towards the spot to which her gaze seemed riveted he had not heard the rustling of the boughs but he saw with his habitual quickness of remark that they still trembled as if lately displaced and he caught through their interstices the glimpse of a receding figure he sprang forward with an agility very uncommon to his usual movements but before he gained the comps every vestige of the intruder had vanished what slaves we are to the moment as malevra turned back to rejoin lucy who agitated almost to fainting leaned against the rude wall of the hut he would as soon have thought of flying as of making that generous offer of self etc which the instant before he had been burning to render lucy the vain are always sensitively jealous and malevra remembering clifford and lucy's blushes in dancing with him instantly accounted for her agitation and its cause with a very grave air he approached the object of his late adoration and requested to know if it were not some abrupt intruder that had occasioned her alarm lucy scarcely knowing what she said answered in a low voice that it was indeed and begged instantly to rejoin her father malevra offered his arm with great dignity and the pair passed into the frequented part of the grounds where malevra once more brightened into smiles and courtesy to all around him he is certainly accepted said mr shrewd to lady semper what an immense match for the girl was lady semper's reply amidst the music the dancing the throng the noise lucy found it easy to recover herself and disengaging her arm from lord malevra as she perceived her father she rejoined the squire and remained a patient listener to his remarks till late in the noon it became an understood matter that people were expected to go 
into a long room in order to eat and drink malevara now alive to the duties of his situation and feeling exceedingly angry with lucy was more reconciled than he otherwise might have been to the etiquette which obliged him to select for the object of his hospitable cares an old dowager duchess instead of the beauty of the fete but he took care to point out to the squire the places appointed for himself and daughter which were though at some distance from the earl under the providence of his vigilant survey while malever was deifying the dowager duchess and refreshing his spirits with a chicken and a medicinal glass of madeira the conversation near lucy turned to her infinite dismay upon clifford some one had seen him in the grounds booted and in a riding undress in that day people seldom rode and danced in the same conformation of coat and as malevra was a precise person about those little matters of etiquette this negligence of clifford's made quite a subject of discussion by degrees the conversation changed into the old inquiry as to who this captain clifford was and just as it had reached that point it reached also the gently deafened ears of lord malevra pray my lord said the old duchess since he is one of your guests you who know who and what every one is can possibly inform us of the real family of this beautiful mr clifford one of my guests did you say answered malevra irritated greatly beyond his usual quietness of manner really your grace does me wrong he may be a guest of my valet but he assuredly is not mine and should i encounter him i shall leave it to my valet to give him his conge as well as his invitation malever heightening his voice as he observed athwart the table an alternate paleness and flush upon lucy's face which stung all the angrier passions generally torpid in him into venom looked round on concluding with a haughty and sarcastic air so loud had been his tone so pointed the insult and so dead the silence at the table while he spoke that every one felt the affront must be carried at once to clifford's hearing should he be in the room and after malever had ceased there was a universal nervous and indistinct expectation of an answer and a scene all was still and it soon became certain that clifford was not in the apartment when mr shrewd had fully convinced himself of this fact for there was a daring spirit about clifford which few wished to draw upon themselves that personage broke the pause by observing that no man who pretended to be a gentleman would intrude himself unasked and unwelcome into any society and malever catching up the observation said drinking wine at the same time with mr shrewd that undoubtedly such conduct fully justified the rumours respecting mr clifford and utterly excluded him from that rank to which it was before more than suspected he had no claim so luminous and satisfactory an opinion from such an authority once broached was immediately and universally echoed and long before the repast was over it seemed to be tacitly agreed that captain clifford should be sent to coventry and if he murmured at the exile he would have no right to insist upon being sent thence to the devil the good old squire mindful of his former friendship for clifford and not apt to veer was about to begin a speech on the occasion 
when lucy touching his arm implored him to be silent and so ghastly was the paleness of her cheek while she spoke that the squire's eyes obtuse as he generally was opened at once to the real secret of her heart as soon as the truth flashed upon him he wondered recalling clifford's great personal beauty and marked attentions that it had not flashed upon him sooner and leaning back on his chair he sank into one of the most unpleasant reveries he had ever conceived at a given signal the music for the dancers recommenced and at a hint to that effect from the host persons rose without ceremony to repair to other amusements and suffer such guests as had hitherto been excluded from eating to occupy the place of the relinquishers lucy glad to escape was one of the first to resign her situation and with the squire she returned to the grounds during the banquet evening had closed in and the scene now really became fairy-like and picturesque lamps hung from many a tree reflecting the light through the richest and softest hues the music itself sounded more musically than during the day gypsy tents were pitched at wild corners and copses and the bright wood fires burning in them blazed merrily upon the cold yet cheerful air of the increasing night the view was really novel and inviting and as it had been an understood matter that ladies were to bring furs cloaks and boots all those who thought they looked well in such array made little groups and scattered themselves about the grounds and in the tents they on the contrary in whom the purple light of love was apt by the frost to be propelled from the cheeks to the central ornament of the face or who thought a fire in a room quite as agreeable as a fire in a tent remained within and contemplated the scene through the open windows lucy longed to return home nor was the squire reluctant but unhappily it wanted an hour to the time at which the carriage had been ordered and she mechanically joined a group of guests who had persuaded the good-natured squire to forget his gout and venture forth to look at the illuminations her party was soon joined by others and the group gradually thickened into a crowd the throng was stationary for a few minutes before a little temple in which fireworks had just commenced an additional attraction to the scene opposite to this temple as well as in its rear the walks and trees had been purposely left in comparative darkness in order to heighten the effect of the fireworks i declare said lady simper glancing down one of the alleys which seemed to stretch away into blackness i declare it seems quite a lover's walk how kind in lord malevolent such a delicate attention to your ladyship added mr shrewd with a bow while one of this crowd lucy was vacantly eyeing the long trains of light which ever and anon shot against the sky she felt her hand suddenly seized and at the same time a voice whispered for god's sake read this now and grant my request the voice which seemed to rise from the very heart of the speaker lucy knew at once she trembled violently and remained for some minutes with eyes which did not dare to look from the ground a note she felt had been left in her hand and the agonized and earnest tone of that voice which was dearer to her than the fullness of all music made her impatient yet afraid to read it 
as she recovered courage she looked around and seeing that the attention of all was bent upon the fireworks and that her father in particular leaning on his cane seemed to enjoy the spectacle with a child's engrossed delight she glided softly away and entering unperceived one of the alleys she read by a solitary lamp that burned at its entrance the following lines written in pencil and in a hurried hand apparently upon a leaf torn from a pocket-book i implore i entreat you miss brandon to see me if but for a moment i propose to tear myself away from the place in which you reside to go abroad to leave even the spot hallowed by your footstep after this night my presence my presumption will degrade you no more but this night for mercy's sake see me or i shall go mad i will but speak to you one instant this is all i ask if you grant me this prayer the walk to the left where you stand at the entrance to which there is one purple lamp will afford an opportunity to your mercy a few yards down that walk i will meet you none can see or hear us will you grant this i know not i dare not think but under any case your name shall be the last upon my lips p c as lucy read this hurried scrawl she glanced towards the lamp above her and saw that she had accidentally entered the very walk indicated in the note she paused she hesitated the impropriety the singularity of the request darted upon her at once on the other hand the anxious voice still ringing in her ear the incoherent vehemence of the note the risk the opprobrium clifford had incurred solely her heart whispered to see her all aided her simple temper her kind feelings and her love for the petitioner in inducing her to consent she cast one glance behind all seemed occupied with far other thoughts than that of notice towards her she looked anxiously before all looked gloomy and indistinct but suddenly at some little distance she descried a dark figure in motion she felt her knees shake under her her heart beat violently she moved onward a few paces again paused and looked back the figure before her moved as in approach she resumed courage and advanced the figure was by her side how generous how condescending is this goodness in miss brandon said the voice which so struggled with secret and strong emotion that lucy scarcely recognized it as clifford's i did not dare to expect it and now now that i meet you clifford paused as if seeking words and lucy even through the dark perceived that her strange companion was powerfully excited she waited for him to continue but observing that he walked on in silence she said though with a trembling voice indeed mr clifford i fear that it is very very improper in me to meet you thus nothing but the strong expressions in your letter and-and in short my fear that you meditated some desperate design at which i could not guess caused me to yield to your wish for an interview she paused and clifford still preserving silence she added with some little coldness in her tone if you have really aught to say to me you must allow me to request that you speak it quickly this interview you must be sensible ought to end almost as soon as it begins hear me then said clifford mastering his embarrassment and speaking in a firm and clear voice is that true which i have but just heard is it true that i have been spoken of in your presence in terms of insult and affront 
it was now for lucy to feel embarrassed fearful to give pain and yet anxious that clifford should know in order that he might disprove the slight and the suspicion which the mystery around him drew upon his name she faltered between the two feelings and without satisfying the latter succeeded in realizing the fear of the former enough said clifford in a tone of deep mortification as his quick ear caught and interpreted yet more humiliatingly than the truth the meaning of her stammered and confused reply enough i see that it is true and that the only human being in the world to whose good opinion i am not indifferent has been a witness of the insulting manner in which others have dared to speak of me but said lucy eagerly why give the envious or the idle any excuse why not suffer your parentage and family to be publicly known why are you here and her voice sank into a lower key this very day unasked and therefore subject to the cavils of all who think the poor distinction of an invitation an honour forgive me mr clifford perhaps i offend i hurt you by speaking thus frankly but your good name rests with yourself and your friends cannot but feel angry that you should trifle with it madam said clifford and lucy's eyes now growing accustomed to the darkness perceived a bitter smile upon his lips my name good or ill is an object of little care to me i have read of philosophers who pride themselves in placing no value in the opinions of the world rank me among that sect but i am i own i am anxious that you alone of all the world should not despise me and now that i feel you do that you must everything worth living or hoping for is past despise you said lucy and her eyes filled with tears indeed you wrong me and yourself but listen to me mr clifford i have seen it is true but little of the world yet i have seen enough to make me wish i could have lived in retirement for ever the rarest quality among either sex though it is the simplest seems to me good-nature and the only occupation of what are termed fashionable people appears to be speaking ill of one another nothing gives such a scope to scandal as mystery nothing disarms it like openness i know your friends know mr clifford that your character can bear inspection and i believe for my own part the same of your family why not then declare who and what you are that candour would indeed be my best defender said clifford in a tone which ran displeasingly through lucy's ear but in truth madam i repeat i care not one drop of this worthless blood what men say of me that time has passed and for ever perhaps it never keenly existed for me no matter i came hither miss brandon not wasting a thought on these sickening fooleries or on the hoary idler by whom they are given i came hither only once more to see you to hear you speak to watch you move to tell you and the speaker's voice trembled so as to be scarcely audible to tell you if any reason for the disclosure offered itself that i have had the boldness the crime to love to love o oh god to adore you and then to leave you for ever pale trembling scarcely preserved from falling by the tree against which she leaned lucy listened to this abrupt avowal dare i touch this hand continued clifford as he knelt and took it timidly and reverently you know not you cannot dream how unworthy is he who thus presumes yet not all unworthy while he is sensible of so deep so holy a feeling as that which he bears to you god bless you miss brandon lucy god bless you 
and if hereafter you hear me subjected to still blacker suspicion or severer scrutiny than that which i now sustain if even your charity and goodness can find no defence for me if the suspicion become certainty and the scrutiny end in condemnation believe at least that circumstances have carried me beyond my nature and that under fairer auspices i might have been other than i am lucy's tear dropped upon clifford's hand as he spoke and while his heart melted within him as he felt it and knew his own desperate and unredeemed condition he added every one courts you the proud the rich the young the high-born all are at your feet you will select one of that number for your husband may he watch over you as i would have done love you as i do he cannot yes i repeat it continued clifford vehemently he cannot none amidst the gay happy silken crowd of your equals and followers can feel for you that single and overruling passion which makes you to me what all combined country power wealth reputation an honest name peace common safety the quiet of the common air alike the least blessing and the greatest are to all others once more may god in heaven watch over you and preserve you i tear myself on leaving you from all that cheers or blesses or raises or might have saved me farewell the hand which lucy had relinquished to her strange suitor was pressed ardently to his lips dropped in the same instant and she knew that she was once more alone but clifford hurrying rapidly through the trees made his way towards the nearest gate which led from lord malevra's domain when he reached it a crowd of the more elderly guests occupied the entrance and one of these was a lady of such distinction that malevra in spite of his aversion to any superfluous exposure to the night air had obliged himself to conduct her to her carriage he was in a very ill humour with this constrained politeness especially as the carriage was very slow in relieving him of his charge when he saw by the lamplight clifford passing near him and winning his way to the gate quite forgetting his worldly prudence which should have made him averse to scenes with any one especially with a flying enemy and a man with whom if he believed aright little glory was to be gained in conquest much less in contest and only remembering clifford's rivalship and his own hatred towards him for the presumption malever uttering a hurried apology to the lady on his arm stepped forward and opposing clifford's progress said with a bow of tranquil insult pardon me sir but is it at my invitation or that of one of my servants that you have honoured me with your company this day clifford's thoughts at the time of this interruption were of that nature before which all petty misfortunes shrink into nothing if therefore he started for a moment at the earl's address he betrayed no embarrassment in reply but bowing with an air of respect and taking no notice of the affront implied in malevra's speech he answered your lordship has only to deign a glance at my dress to see that i have not intruded myself on your grounds with the intention of claiming your hospitality the fact is and i trust to your lordship's courtesy to admit the excuse that i leave this neighbourhood to-morrow and for some length of time a person whom i was very anxious to see before i left was one of your lordship's guests i heard this and knew that i should have no other opportunity of meeting the person in question before my departure and i must now throw myself on the well-known politeness of lord malevra to pardon a freedom 
originating in a business very much approaching to a necessity lord malever's address to clifford had congregated an immediate crowd of eager and expectant listeners but so quietly respectful and really gentlemanlike were clifford's air and tone in excusing himself that the whole throng were smitten with a sudden disappointment lord malever himself surprised by the temper and deportment of the unbidden guest was at a loss for one moment and clifford was about to take advantage of that moment and glide away when malever with a second bow more civil than the former one said i cannot but be happy sir that my poor place has afforded you any convenience but if i am not very impertinent will you allow me to inquire the name of my guest with whom you required a meeting my lord said clifford drawing himself up and speaking gravely and sternly though still with a certain deference i need not surely point out to your lordship's good sense and good feeling that your very question implies a doubt and consequently an affront and that the tone of it is not such as to justify that concession on my part which the further explanation you require would imply few spoken sarcasm could be so bitter as that silent one which malever could command by a smile and with this complimentary expression on his thin lips and raised brow the earl answered sir i honour the skill testified by your reply it must be the result of a profound experience in these affairs i wish you sir a very good night and the next time you favour me with a visit i am quite sure that your motives for so indulging me will be no less creditable to you than at present with these words malever turned to rejoin his fair charge but clifford was a man who had seen in a short time a great deal of the world and knew tolerably well the theories of society if not the practice of its minutiae moreover he was of an acute and resolute temper and these properties of mind natural and acquired told him that he was now in a situation in which it had become more necessary to defy than to conciliate instead therefore of retiring he walked deliberately up to malever and said my lord i shall leave it to the judgment of your guests to decide whether you have acted the part of a nobleman and a gentleman in thus in your domains insulting one who has given you such explanation of his trespass as would fully excuse him in the eyes of all considerate or courteous persons i shall also leave it to them to decide whether the tone of your inquiry allowed me to give you any further apology but i shall take it upon myself my lord to demand from you an immediate explanation of your last speech insolent cried malever colouring with indignation and almost for the first time in his life losing absolute command over his temper do you bandy words with me begone or i shall order my servants to thrust you forth begone sir begone cried several voices in echo to malever from those persons who deemed it now high time to take part with the powerful clifford stood his ground gazing around with a look of angry and defying contempt which joined to his athletic frame his dark and fierce eye and a heavy riding-whip which as if mechanically he half raised effectually kept the murmurers from proceeding to violence poor pretender to breeding and to sense said he disdainfully turning to malever with one touch of this whip i could shame you for ever or compel you to descend from the level of your rank to that of mine and the action would be but a mild return to your language but i love rather 
to teach you than to correct according to my creed my lord he conquers most in good breeding who forbears the most scorn enables me to forbear adieu with this clifford turned on his heel and strode away a murmur approaching to a groan from the younger or sillier part of the parasites the mature and the sensible have no extra emotion to throw away followed him as he disappeared End of chapter twenty one